Hello and welcome to Journey Church North County. We appreciate you joining us through this podcast. If you would like to know more about us, feel free to visit us online at journeynorthcounty.org. Thank you once again for joining us and enjoy the message. All right, good morning. Welcome to uh, Journey Church. My name is Cody. I'm the lead pastor here at Journey. If uh, if you're new here, we're hopefully you felt welcome. Uh, we, we call this place Journey Church because we said that no matter where you're at on your journey, no matter what you've come in with, we want to meet you in that place. We know that God met us exactly where we're at. We are four weeks away. This will blow some of your minds, but we are four weeks away from our one-year anniversary. So some of you have been with us for like two years because it took us a year to like plan and like all that stuff. Some of you have been with us for like two weeks, so you're like... That doesn't even matter to you, but either way, uh, one year, we're super excited to celebrate that with you. Best of all, there's going to be cake, right? So if you like cake and your friends like cake, come get some cake in four weeks. Uh, it'll be our, our one-year anniversary. God has blessed us in so many incredible ways. In fact, we do this thing called Open House where uh, where we bring you in and we just kind of tell you our story and we also want to hear your story as well. Uh, but even the way we got to this theater and the way God has blessed us since then is a pretty incredible story. And so we want to make sure that we share that with you. We are in week four of our Freedom Series. And uh, we're doing a Freedom Series in the book of Galatians for one simple reason. We said that in 2019, we realized that that we carry just a lot of load and a lot of pain, and we don't really walk in freedom that often. In fact, our life is usually marked by a series of painful event after painful event, as opposed to living in the freedom that we've been given. And so it's hard to offload sometimes. It's hard to, like, get things off your shoulders and just kind of give that up to God. So we just want to say, okay, Galatians is all about freedom. So we want to talk about what does that look like to have freedom? So we spent the first three weeks kind of talking through what freedom is, what it looks like. But today we're going to get practical and we're going to talk about how do we actually live in the freedom that we've been given. Uh, I don't know if all of you are as talented as I am, but I once caught a car on fire. Um, true story, the front of the car was on fire. And I saw the reason that it was on fire, and I realized that, okay, if I pull this cord, it's sparking, it will not be on fire anymore. The problem is that when you put your hand on fire, your hand then catches that same fire. And my wife was in the grocery store shopping. I was in the parking lot and I called her. And, you know, if, you, if you're if you married, you know that like you're trying not to freak out your wife, right? You're trying, like, you know, based on the tone of voice that you have, the level of freak outedness that she's going to have when she hears you in the other lot, right? So, so I knew, okay, like my hand is bubbling. <laughs> like it's legit on fire. But uh, I don't want her to freak out. So I was like, hey, um, I know you're, you're shopping. My hand's on fire. And if you could just come back out and help me, please. And so, so she comes, this is all true. She, she comes back out like, like my, my hand was, was, was burnt pretty bad. I just remember how painful that was. 
and, and when I look back through like my life, I, I kind of remember these these different painful moments, and somehow they end up shaping who I am, or at least who I think I am. I kind of feel like it's hard to catch my breath sometimes between my finances, my family, my health, my relationships. I, I find it difficult just to take a moment, catch my breath, spend time with God, because it's kind of just from one situation to the next, one painful thing after another. So maybe you're like that as well. Maybe you've experienced some pain in your life, and, and you feel like your, your life is marked by those memories of, of pain where you just can't, you can't catch your breath. I was swinging on some bars one time. I remember me and my brother, we had just watched the Olympics on TV. And I just figured, hey, they can do it. So I, I think I can do it too. So uh, there were some bars outside in my yard. I was probably 10 years old or so. And I started swinging on the bars. I was like, I wonder if I could do like one of those loops like they did in the Olympics. And so I went up and and it takes a lot of talent to actually do something like that. And so I went up and I lost the feeling of the bar. I fell right on my back. And have you ever had the feeling of losing your breath? Has this happened to you before? Where like you hit your back or you hit something so hard that like you're trying to breathe, but it just, it's not there. There's no breath in your lungs. And uh, so that had never happened to me before at the time. I completely lost my breath and I'm just grasping for air. Just, uh, uh. my brother's with me. He thinks I'm dying. And so he runs against my mom. Everything's okay. My breath comes back. But I feel like I couldn't get any air. I couldn't get my breath. Or there's another time when I, uh, I'm not much of a surfer. In fact, I was bodyboarding, um, which is like the AAA of surfing. And I was bodyboarding, and, and I got onto a wave that was way bigger than what I should have been on. It, like, tumbled me. And I, one of those underwater moments where you don't know which way is up, I had that for the first time. So I, I was swimming toward an area I thought was up, and I don't know if that was up or down. And I, I thought, I don't have enough breath. I might die. And there was a, another time where, uh, and maybe you've been here too, where, where something caught on fire, and, and there was smoke, and you're, like, you're inhaling smoke. In fact, uh, my wife caught our, our kitchen on fire <laughs> um, uh, two or three weeks ago. It, it's funny, I, I read this meme on Facebook that, like, if you're in a pastor's house and you you got to, like, be on your best behavior because it'll probably end up being a story for that Sunday. That's true of us, for sure. So uh, w- my wife caught the house on, on, on fire. Not the house. That, that's an exaggeration. Not even the kitchen, like the toaster oven. And so the toaster oven's on fire, right? And so if you've ever been around smoke and you're inhaling the smoke and you feel like you can't breathe, it wasn't that bad. But it was on fire. And I was upstairs and she was downstairs and I heard her talking to her mom, Luann, and, you know, again, the tone of voice thing, I heard that tone of voice, and so I felt like, I don't know what's happening, but something bad's happening, so I need to run downstairs. I ran downstairs, I see the fire, and this is not the first time it's happened, and so I was like, all right, let's find some flour. Let's find some flour, because flour chokes out the flames, right? And so, find some flour. She's like, we don't have any flour. So I, I go into the closet. I'm, like, digging through stuff. The, the, the toaster oven's on fire. I know I need to do something about it quick, or other things will be on fire as well. There wasn't any flour, but what I found was almond flour. We're on the keto diet. We don't have regular flour, right? So I found almond flour. She's like, no, don't use that. Fire, right? Fire, fire. Almond flour. So I grabbed the almond flour, and I start throwing it on the fire. And even as I'm throwing it on the fire, she's kind of interjecting, like, don't use it all, right? 
And so, like, we're really concerned about the cost of the almond flour at this point. And so, so we're throwing almond flour on the fire. Eventually, the fire goes out. But it just reminded me of, like, I mean, from, from the waves to, like, losing my breath, uh, trying to do gymnastics to smoke and fire, that hey, sometimes it's just hard to catch your breath. And I feel like that's how we kind of walk through life sometimes, where it's hard to just catch your breath. Maybe you're so fast-paced, you're A-type, you're going from one thing to the next. Or maybe you've had the same stress in your life that you just can't get rid of that's on your shoulders. I live most of my life like this, where I just felt like I was getting choked out by the next thing, one after another. And what I found was that I was trying to avoid pain more than I was trying to embrace freedom. I spent my life trying to avoid those painful moments instead of embracing the freedom that God's given us. So we're in this book of Galatians. The whole book's about this idea of freedom just to give you a little bit of backstory, if you haven't been here with us the first three weeks, it's, it's by this guy named Paul. He writes this letter to a town in Galatia. That's why we call it Galatians. Uh, and so Paul's writing this letter. But to understand Paul and his mindset in writing this letter, you have to go back a little bit to a guy named Gamaliel. Now, Gamaliel is a, a guy who is the scholar of his time. You have scholars and you have the scholars of the scholars. He's a Pharisee, which means that he's memorized the entire Torah, the entire first five books of the Bible. He knows them cold. He can recite them back to you. He knows all the rules, all the laws, and he's responsible for holding you to it, right? So the the Pharisees were also the judges of the time as well. They were called the Sanhedrin. So see, the, the Sanhedrin is similar to our Supreme Court, right? So you have the Supreme Court and the Sanhedrin in this time, they make the laws, they make you keep the laws, and you report to them if you break a law. So there's a guy named Gamaliel. He's, he's the guy, he's one of the leaders of the Sanhedrin, and he's also Paul's mentor. So Paul, before this, his name was Saul, he was growing up under this guy, Gamaliel. And so Gamaliel was a rule follower, follower extraordinaire, and Paul became that too. In fact, so much so that when he heard about people that were following this guy named Jesus, he wanted them dead. This is not the law. This is not the rules. We follow the God of the Old Testament, not this guy that came along called Jesus. There were these new people that came in during the time of Galatians, and they were followers of the way. It was this new person named Jesus who came and died on the cross, and he said, this is God, this is the Savior of the world, and the Pharisees weren't cool with that. And so Gamaliel is responsible for holding trial for these new followers of the way, these new people. This guy is Paul's mentor, the guy who writes this book of Galatians. So at one point, some people are brought in front of Gamaliel, who, again, is like the leader of the Supreme Court, and he has to make a decision. He has to decide, are we going to kill these people, or are we going to let them go? I don't know why there wasn't a middle ground, like slap on the wrist, a little beating. I don't know. But there wasn't. It was, you're going to get killed, or we're going to just kind of let you go and, and do your own thing, let you be on your way. So Gamaliel has to make this decision. And he's now thinking back. He's using all the experience that he has to make his decisions, you know, like Judge Judy, for example. And so he's using all the, this experience. He's making these decisions. And so he's thinking back to the Old Testament. He says something that's very interesting. He says this. 
This is in Acts chapter 5, verse 38 through 39. By the way, if you can follow along in your Bible, we'll have the all the verses on the screen for you. And also on the back of your connection card, there are instructions for the Bible app. So if you want to do that, it's a good way to mark notes. You can save them for later, all that good stuff. It'll show you how to do that. Acts chapter 5, verse 38. Therefore, in the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone. This is Gamaliel talking to these guys that were brought in front of him. Leave these men alone, let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. You'll only find yourselves fighting against God. Now, he's also using the experience of the, these followers of Jesus. They weren't the first people to start a movement in this time. There were other people that kind of came about, and people were just following these people. This wasn't the first movement. And so what happened before is Gamaliel let these people go, but then these movements just died out. They went away. And so Gamaliel was just saying to everyone else, hey, don't worry about it. If this movement is of man, is of people, it's just going to die out anyway. But if this is from God, nothing you will do will ever be able to stop it. And then Gamaliel thinking that that's going to be it, this thing's going to fade out. And they realize that Jesus is the one who was promised. He's the one who's come to give us freedom. The one who says, okay, the rules and the laws of the Old Testament can be summed up in one word, love. Can you imagine if that happened today, right? If if the Supreme Court was making rulings and they said, okay, we're going to throw out all the laws. And instead of these laws, we're going to have one word. If you just love each other, everything's going to be cool. Cool, cool, right? That wouldn't happen. But this is essentially what's happening this, this time. He's saying, hey, it's not that the laws are abolished. It's not that they necessarily go away, but they can all be summed up in one way. That the whole law can be summed up in the one word, love. And Gamaliel's like, hey, if this is not from God, it's going to die out anyway. But if this is from God, you won't be able to fight it. There's nothing you're going to be able to do. Which brought me to this question. How are you... So my phone is connected to the computer, which is then connected to our projector. <laughs> uh, how are you? Caleb's going to take care of that. <laughs> okay. How, how are you fighting God? How are you fighting? I had to ask myself that question. How am I fighting God? Knowing that if God is for us, then nothing can be against us. But if we're fighting God, we're constantly going to be in this battle. We're fighting God over and over and over again. How are you fighting God today? Here's, here's what I've come to realize is that on one hand, you can have faith, right? Faith just says, I can't control it myself. My problems, my fears, the anxieties I carry, I have to give up to God, right? So faith says, okay, I, I'm giving this all up to God. And then on the other hand is control. A lot of us like to take back the control. The scary thing about faith is we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what the next thing is going to be. And so on the other hand is control. So you can have faith or you can have control, but you can't have both. You can have faith or you can have control, but you can't have both. And so if you're determined that you're going to control the things in your life, that you're going to control the next thing, that you're, that you're living from, from pain moment to pain moment, and your life consists of keeping away from pain, 
That's what you're trying to do. You're just trying to keep away from those painful moments because you, you know how painful that can be and how hard those moments can be. And you're just going to try to control your life. You can't also have faith. But if you have faith, that means you're giving up, essentially. You're giving your life over to God. You're saying, I can't do anything about this, but I know God can. And even back from the book of Acts, Gamaliel is saying, if God is in your situation, nothing can stop it. But if it's of man, it will die. And so if you're going to try to keep control, you can do that, but you're just going to live until you get to that next pain moment, until finally you get to the moment where you say, okay, God, I'm going to have faith. But it's scary because the moment you take faith, you lose control because you can't keep both. And so looking, we'll start here in Galatians chapter 5. It says this, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love for the entire law, everything we talked about, the law, everything, all the rules is keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So the first step is simply to walk by the Spirit. What does that mean? What does that look like? Walking by the Spirit is this. It's, okay, you have faith, and you have control, and you make the decision, okay, I'm going to live by faith now, not control. I have these pains. I have these problems. I have this sickness. I have this illness. I have debt, whatever it is, but I'm going to live by faith from now on. I'm going to give up control. So you take that first faith step. But walking by the Spirit means that after you take that first faith step, then you take another one. And what happens is as God works in your life, as God does only the things that he can do in your life, it encourages you, right? It strengthens you. And so it allows you to take the next step. And so walking in the Spirit is simply this, taking one faith step after another. And then when that's done, taking one more faith step. Verse 17. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit was contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other. So you are not able to do whatever you want, but you are led by the spirit. You are not under the law. Okay, so what happens is you're walking in the spirit. So every day you're like, all right, God, I'm praying. I'm giving this stuff up to you. I'm not in control anymore. It's you. I'm walking in the spirit. Over time, the spirit begins to lead you toward different areas. And what happens is you're replacing fear, you're replacing anxiety, you're replacing worry, you're replacing all those things with faith. Believing that God can do what only he can do. And he's going to do that in your life. It may not look exactly what you think it's going to look like. It may not feel exactly what you feel like it's going to feel like, but it's it's faith. It's that God's going to do what he can do and that you don't have control anymore. So we as we, we talked about freedom the last four weeks. We defined it this way. Freedom is simply where faith and love come together. Freedom is faith and love. It's, it's the faith to say, I don't have control, and I'm okay with that. And it's the love to say, okay, even though people wrong me, even though people have put me in these painful situations, I'm going to love them anyway. And the reason we can do that is because we have Jesus who loved us in the midst of all your junk. In the midst of your junk, in the midst of your pain, in the midst of all the things that you've done, 
Jesus came down and met you exactly where you were at to set an example for how you are to treat others, how to love others. So freedom, if you want to experience real freedom in your life, these last four weeks come to this, is that you have to have faith that you can't control everything, but you have to love others like you've been loved. Freedom equals faith and love. 1 Corinthians 13. Most of you have maybe heard this uh, verse before. I'll read it out to you. Uh, you may be in a wedding or something like that. Verse 1. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am a resounding gong or a clinging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and cannot fathom all the mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, right? So if you have the faith, but you don't have love, I am nothing. So faith doesn't equal freedom. It has to be faith and love together. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. And here's the, here's the verse that many of you know, or the passage. Love is patient, it's kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it's not proud, it does not dishonor others, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. So here's what I found is like, okay, if I'm going to follow Jesus with my life, if I have the faith to do that, if I'm going to be loving toward others, here's what I do is I replace the word love in this passage with my name. And I use it as a checklist for myself. So I do it like this. I am, or maybe the question is, am I patient, kind? Do I envy? Do I boast? Do I dishonor others? Am I self-seeking? Am I easily angered? Do I keep record of wrongs when when I, I should have to get back people because of the things they've done to me? Do I keep record of that? Do I rejoice in evil? Do I delight in truth? Do I protect others? Do I trust others? Do I have hope in others? Do I persevere when times are hard? So if I'm trying to figure out, am I loving? Is that who I am? I just look at my checklist and say, okay, am I this? Am I this? Am I this? Am I this? If you want to experience freedom in your life, this is the way. You have faith that God can do only what he can do, and you love people even when it doesn't make sense. Even when they've wronged you, even when they turned your back on you, because that's what Jesus did for you. So I know the first thing that you're probably thinking when you kind of go through that list, right? One, it's a hard list to keep up with, right? Like, can I be all those things? It's pretty tough. The other part is, you might be thinking in your mind, but you don't know blank, right? But you don't know, fill in the name of the person who has wronged you, who has hurt you, who has turned their back on you, who has betrayed you, who has caused you pain when it didn't have to happen, but you don't know this person. And God says, but you need to love them anyway. You'll never experience freedom in your life. You'll always have shackles that that person keeps on your life if you don't forgive. And even more than forgive, if you don't love them. The only way to experience freedom, to walk in the Spirit, to be led by the Spirit, freedom equals the faith to believe God in in doing what only he can do, and the love to forgive others even when they don't deserve it. 
because that's what Jesus did for you. But this name did blank to me. There's always going to be a but. There always will be. There's people in my life that have wronged me over and over again. It's taken me a long time to forgive them. Just a long time, longer than it should have. But until I did, those were always shackles on me. It always held me down. It always pressed me down because I didn't experience true freedom because I was always thinking about what they did and what they deserve. And love isn't about what they deserve. But what about this person? Here's the thing. Here's what you need to ask yourself. Serious question, Journey Church. How big is your butt is all I'm trying to ask you, really. How big is your butt? Not literally, right? <laughs> but how big? How, how, how many times do you say, okay, I can do this, I can do this, but I can't do this, but, but this person's wronged me too much. This person's done too much to me. Here's what I've found. When I'm arguing with somebody, especially when someone's wronged me and they deserve the worst, that my flesh, the flesh wants to be right, but my spirit desires righteousness. My flesh wants to be right. I want to be right in arguments. If someone wrongs me, I want it to be set right. I want people to know about it. My flesh wants to be right, but in my spirit, my spirit only desires to be righteous. And to be righteous before the sight of our God, before Jesus who gave his life for us, that means that we have to love and we have to forgive. So the question is, do I walk in my flesh, right, where I don't experience freedom, where I'm more of a slave to my fears and anxieties and anger, or am I led by and do I walk in the spirit that desires righteousness? Galatians 5.19 says this, The acts of the flesh are obvious. There's sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Here's the great thing about the kingdom of God is it's something that we look forward to one day, but the kingdom of God is something that we can experience right here. Our prayer is that that Oceanside would be like the kingdom of God, that Carlsbad would be like the kingdom of God, that North County would be like the kingdom of God. It's something we can experience and that we can live in freedom today. But to do that, we have to have faith and we have to have love. He said, but those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But here's the thing. Here's the fruit of the Spirit. You may have heard this first before about the fruit of the Spirit. Here's the fruit of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And against those things, there is no law. So the laws that Gamaliel and the Sanhedrin set up, the laws that caused Saul to kill people until he's converted to Paul, there is no law. In fact, the law is summed up by one word, love. So as I was going through the fruits of the Spirit, here's, I did this kind of a self-assessment on myself. And here's what I said, okay, we have all these words here. Do I love? Well, I, I love those who I feel like deserve my love. Am I joyful? Yeah, but it's more like pockets of happiness. I'm, I'm joyful when 
I'm happy, which isn't all the time. Do I have peace? It's when all the conditions in my, right, in my life are right, I have peace. Do I have forbearance? It's limited. I have limited patience with people. Am I kind? I'm kind to those who are kind to me. Am I good? Only those, so those who I feel like are also good. Am I faithful? I am until I get busy. Am I gentle? I am until I get wronged. Do I have self-control? And I do until someone makes me angry. Here's the thing. We're talking about walking in the Spirit and being led by the Spirit. When I make this checklist of myself and I determine, am I these things? Am I doing these things? I know that I'll never be able to check all those boxes. I'm not that good. But it didn't tell me that this is what's going to happen. These are the fruits of the Spirit. What do the fruits mean? The fruits of the Spirit mean that these are the things that happen because I'm walking in the Spirit. Earlier, Galatians said that we are walking in the Spirit and we're led by the Spirit. So as I take those faith steps, one step after another, I'm taking one more faith step today than I did yesterday. As I'm taking those faith steps, I'm led by the Spirit. And the result of that, the fruits of the Spirit, the result of me walking in the Spirit and being led by the Spirit are love and joy and peace and forbearance and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. It's because I decided to have faith instead of control so that God can do in my life what only he can do. I can never do this checklist by myself. But I'll experience real freedom by the fruits of the Spirit. This, this is how I want you to know me. I'm not always good at it. But I know that God can do what only he's going to do through my life by the fruits of the Spirit. So it's summed up in this way is that I think in our lives that we're, we're, we're trying to do the work, that you're trying to be the carpenter, right? The one that like, there's, there's a task in front of you, you need to get it done. And God never called us to that. There, there, are, there are people in my life who I just look at, and I'm like, man, God has used them in amazing ways. And it's because they weren't trying to be the carpenter. They were trying to be the tool. They knew that they weren't in control. They had faith that the carpenter knew what he was doing and that the tool only moved in the direction that the carpenter decided that it was going to move. It's a definition of bondservant. Paul at one point calls himself a bondservant. And the meaning of bondservant means a person or a servant who has no rights or will of his own, but only does the will of the master. That takes a lot of faith and a lot of trust. But that's what a tool is. The tool doesn't get up and just start doing stuff. It only moves how the master makes it move. And that's faith. Is being that tool that God used to do and accomplish what he wants to accomplish in your life, trusting that it's better than what you can do for yourself. So Journey Church, I'm asking you to do something really simple. I need you to leave today and be a big tool. All of you, just be a tool. Because that's what God's called us to. We're all tools. But if you choose to be the carpenter, you're going to find that you're just going to live life from pain moment to pain moment. The last passage here in in chapter 5, 
those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh, gotten rid of, no more, with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. We are walking in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. Freedom. The concept of freedom in the Bible is not difficult. It's the faith that we can't do it and the love that says no matter what happens, we're going to love anyway. And the result of that in our life is the fruits of the Spirit. And then God does in your life the things that only He can do. So what we're going to do is we're going to sing one more song. And you can worship however you want to. You can sit down. You can stand up. But we do this thing called uh, communion one time a month. And so up here, you'll see on this uh, table with a tablecloth, there's a, a cup with juice in it. And there's a little piece of bread that's in the top. You just peel open the top and you can take the bread and the juice. Uh, we do this because we know that when Jesus died on the cross, it changed everything. That the whole law is summed up by the love that he had for us on the cross. And so we take the bread in remembrance of God's body that was broken for us, and we drink the juice in the remembrance of the blood that was shed for us. So all you do is you you take the cup with the juice and the, the cracker on top. You can just take it back to your seat. You can pray with the person next to you. You can pray by yourself, however you want to do it. We're going to sing during this time. It's whenever you're ready, you just eat that bread and then and drink that juice, and we're going to worship together. Thank you for enjoying the message. We hope we helped you know God more intimately. If you feel our ministry is helping you spiritually, feel free to find out more about us at journeynorthcounty.org. Thank you once again for being part of our family, and we'll see you next time.